listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and welcome to the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, our topic is productivity for busy entrepreneurs, and our guest is Brandon Fong. Brandon hated growing up in the free lunch program at school, but growing up without financial resources taught him to be resourceful. Before the age of 25, Brandon wrote a book, ran the marketing for an education company with over 250,000 students, traveled to 23 different countries, and even did a $45,000 launch on his first online product. Today, Brandon is on a mission to help 10,000 entrepreneurs build wealth through the power of connection while prioritizing their health and relationships. He's got some great insights. I hope you get a pen and paper handy because he's going to give you some really good ideas in terms of increasing your productivity. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me again on the Rainmaking Podcast. I'm excited about our guest, Brandon Fong, and today we're talking about productivity for busy entrepreneurs. Brandon, thanks for joining me on the show today. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks so much, Scott. Yeah. Now, you're a remarkable young man, and I'm very impressed with what you've done, and I'm really glad that we've got each other on our radars, and that I'm excited about you being here today because you have a unique perspective about winning, about being productive. And so kind of give us an overview. How did you get started in this field? Tell us about your background a little bit, Brandon. Yeah, 100%. So I always like by to start by talking about how my entrepreneurial journey began. So the story I always tell is it started at Wisconsin Hills Middle School. Every single day, the lunch bell would ring uh, at 1133. And this, this isn't the story where you know I'm selling candy at school. That is the story most people tell. But my story starts a little differently because the school bell would ring for lunch. And if you looked closely, you would see little nerdy Brandon hanging out behind everybody else, kind of procrastinating on his way to lunch. You, you may be wondering, why the heck would any sixth grader be taking his sweet time to go to lunch? And the reason why is because I would go through the lunch checkout line all my friends would be behind me and I had my little plastic tray with the curly fries and chicken nuggets or whatever was on sale for the day. And I'd, I'd put it next to the lunch lady. I'd type in my student ID and then up on the screen, the computer screen where most people could see it, it would say Brandon Fong, zero dollars and zero cents. <laughs> and the reason why it showed that is because, you know, my family qualified for the free lunch program at school. Oh, and wow. I was just, I was, I was super embarrassed, you know, like oh, I would try man. to I, yeah, I know. I would try to hide my friends from seeing it. Some days I would hide out in the bathroom and all that kind of stuff. And back then I was super frustrated that we didn't have the resources. But as my parents taught me and as Tony Robbins teaches, it, to be successful, it doesn't require resources. It requires learning how to be resourceful. Right, and right. one of the things my parents taught me from the very beginning, I'm super blessed, is, is the power of connection. And they would actually let me skip school when I was 16 years old to go to networking events. And so I would, I would network with people that were literally four times my age and you know, kind of test out what it was like to develop these relationships. And right. if you fast forward five years, I ended up accumulating all these strategies I used to connect with people. And, and I, it was my senior year of college, and I ended up reaching out to a really successful entrepreneur. It was kind of one of those like, David versus Goliath moments. I was like, who is I? Some college kid reaching out to a successful entrepreneur. But at the time, he had 100,000 students in his online courses, over 1.5 million downloads on his podcast. And, and so I came on the team and reached out to him and ended up, ended up turning out to be an incredible relationship where I ran the marketing for his company for three years. Wow. I helped increase the podcast downloads by 1.5 million, million downloads, wow. over 100,000 wow. students added to his online courses. And on top of that, Jonathan 
got into a high-end mastermind called Genius Network. Lots of seven-figure entrepreneurs that are in there. And I also got to go along to those meetings and learn from some of the world's most successful people that were kind of changing the game. And all that was because of the power of one connection. And I, I really realized that that's how strong that that one connection could be. And then also, you know, we're talking about the topic for today, productivity for busy entrepreneurs. I got to see what people were doing at the super, super high levels of what, how to be effective as an entrepreneur and as a, you know, even some people in the professional services world as well. So I'm happy to kind of dive into any aspect of that, that, that you'd want to go down. Well, I think that's great. Even though you might not have as much work experience as those listening I've met some people that don't have 20 years of experience in something. It's really one year, 20 times, you know, sure. <laughs> and they just don't learn. And so it's, it's refreshing to meet somebody like you that has that kind of perspective of learning and really absorbing it. Now wanting to give it back and teaching those things. So tell me about some of your favorite productivity tricks. As, as you know, there are a lot of lawyers that listen to this, other entrepreneurs, other people in professional services. These are busy people with competing agendas, competing time demands. What are some of your recommendations for those people listening today? Yeah, so I can I can do some kind of like quick wins ones. And then I, I have like another set of tips and strategies that I could give that I think is really like the ultimate formula for productivity that's more like first principle foundational based. But for some of the, the quick win stuff, I mean, I don't know if you do this yourself, Scott, but like I have lots of calls. And I found that when I was getting calls every single day, it would kind of bog me down. So one of the things right. that I'm always looking for is whenever I have a problem, I look at not for a specific strategy, but rather how can I engineer my environment to help produce the outcome that I'm looking for. So tell so, me about that. When you say engineer environment, what do you mean by that exactly? Yeah. So like, for example, like I noticed that my productivity wasn't as high when I would be interrupted with calls all the time. And so this isn't like something that I came up with, but I started batching my calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so I, I only have my calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then I can focus hundred percent on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. And so that's like a quick engineer of my environment that I just changed my calendar, my booking link that I can't be booked on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If somebody sends me a link, I'm unfortunately not going to be able to, to book during that time. And that just was, you know, a huge win for me because it's like I engineered my environment so that I could have my peak productivity whenever I wanted it. Right. So, so tell me about that. When you say batch the calls on Tuesday and Thursday, what does that mean exactly? It means literally I'm on calls from pretty much nine to six on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can't even get on my calendar to talk to me. And right. it's a hundred percent focus time for me. So why do you think that makes a difference? For me, it's, it's hard for me to stop and start you know, having multiple conversations. And so like, if I know I'm having a call coming up, I'm thinking about that call I'm thinking about, you know, other things that are going on. Whereas like, if I know that, you know, from my entire day on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that there's literally nothing that could potentially interrupt me. I have just, I just jump into, you know, a flow state a lot quicker because I know that I'm not going to be interrupted later on. So I love that's it. a flow state. Yeah. <laughs> Let me kind of drill down on that a little bit. When you say a flow state, what does that mean exactly? To me, it's like, you know, peak level of productivity where time just, you know, you know, the cartoon where you see like the, where they're showing the passage of time and you see like the calendar flipping, <laughs> like that's, that's how it is for me. It's like when I'm in flow, I don't even realize that hours have passed, you know, when I'm hundred percent focused on things. And, and another thing that I do is I make sure that I plan my days ahead of time. So I know hundred percent what I'm going to be doing during that day. And I, I have a whole other spreadsheet that I use. That's probably a little, maybe too, too nerdy and kind of hard to share via a podcast when you can't see it. But like, I, I'm always looking at determining the highest value activities that I can be focused on and then blocking out any distractions that would prevent me from focusing on those particular things. Okay. So let me kind of go into these two things that you just mentioned, planning your days in advance 
and then looking at highest, what did you say, highest value areas? Yes. So let's say that somebody on this, uh, listening to the show is looking at their calendar. What do they start with? Do they start with the most important items? Do they start with the most complex ones, the shortest period of time, the longest block of time? What do you think they should start with? Yeah. So the way that I look at it is I'm always trying to optimize for learning, right? So like the more learning cycles I can have, the faster I can learn. I'll explain what that means in a second. So like I, I batch my, I plan my week in two week increments. And so at the, at the beginning of every single two weeks, I have an exercise I go through that I call my sprint charter. And I ask myself, what's the overarching theme of these two weeks? Why is it important? And I kind of journal on, you know, if I were to forecast two weeks from now, and, you know, what would I have to have done that made me feel like I made progress both per- personally and professionally? And so I'll, I'll write down usually like only three to five things that I want to, you know, big needle movers that I want to accomplish over the course of two weeks. And then at the end of those two weeks, I asked myself, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And if I could do this over from scratch, how would I do it better? Oh, and so great. what I find is that, you know, so many people set, or I used to set goals, you know, once a year, or I would set them quarterly. And and I found that like, you know, you get started, but then you kind of lose momentum. And I find that by hitting the reset button every two weeks and asking myself these big questions, like what is the most important thing to be focused on right now? Sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day, we just are running around and we don't even realize that we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And so it didn't quite answer your question as far as like, how could people organize? But I think, you know, establishing some form of a process where you're setting yourself up to learn from what you just did is critical because otherwise you're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes over and over. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so what did you call it? You called it a sprint what? I call it my sprint charter. So it's like a like a, a charter of a project of uh, yeah, right. over the next two weeks of what I want to focus on. Right. So those are the three to five big needle movers. So you start with that. So are you looking at a two-week block in your calendar? Is it is it every other week or, or when do you normally do this? It's every, I mean, it's every two weeks. So like this sprint right now, I mean, we're recording it. So I'm going to kind of date the episode, but uh, this sprint started yesterday and it ends on the 15th of November of this month. Okay. So like, uh, so... Yeah, hopefully that answers that. That's great. I love that. What worked? What didn't work? What would I do differently? Do you document that anywhere? Yes, I'm kind of like a fiend for documenting. <laughs> like yeah. when I say when I say I have my focus days, like I track what I do every hour. <laughs> so it may sound a little bit crazy, but like I could go back three months from now and I could tell you what I was doing, you know, on on a Tuesday. And so I'm constantly not only do I do these two-week blocks, I also do it at the end of every single month. Like, what were the biggest takeaways that I had over these two months? You know, what worked, what didn't work, and how, what do I want to do moving forward? And like I said, I just find that we, we fall into this time vortex and we don't even realize what had happened. And right. to me, it's just so critical to learn from what you've been focused on and make sure that you're setting yourself up for success in as many ways as possible. Got it. Okay, that's great. So I like it. You look at the highest value. You look at those three to five big needle movers every two weeks. And that's your sprint charter. What worked? What didn't work? What would you do differently? I like what you said about batching your calls, or I would assume, do you batch similar calls with similar calls? Like in the morning, you're going to do outreach. In the afternoon, you're going to do follow-up. You usually do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So most of my calls, like I use, that's another productivity thing is like if your audience isn't currently using like a scheduler, that's like a pretty simple thing that you can do. But like most of those calls, none of them are really outbound. It's mostly like I have a scheduled call at 1030 with somebody. And so that's, I don't usually batch that 
granularly on as far as like the topic of the calls. But yeah, so like it might be a variation of like me recording podcast interviews for people coming on my show or me going on somebody else's show or, you know, it could be a sales call, something along those lines. Got it. So, so let me ask you this. Do you think that the crisis itself has caused you to become more productive, less productive? What do you think are some of the changes that most professionals are facing in terms of productivity as it relates to the crisis? Oh man. For, I mean, for, I can speak to myself. Cause like, I, I mean, I'm kind of a digital marketing nerd. Like I've always been remote. So like, this is nothing different for me, except for right. the fact that I don't, I don't get to go to a coffee shop. So right. it's funny. Cause I spent the last year, all of 2019 traveling all over the world with my, with my wife and, and people make fun of me now. Cause it's like, I went from doing that to like, I'm literally a hermit. <laughs> cause it's right. like, what else, right. what right. else could you do right <laughs> now? So, I mean, I think the climate has definitely changed. I'm very excited for what's happening in the future. Cause we're seeing lots of innovations on how things are going to be done as far as like, even an example of like virtual events, like there's a big difference between hopping on a zoom call for six hours and like these experiences that people are creating right now. So I think the the world is going to start creating more of these hybrids of like, you know, you'll have in-person events when things go back to normal, but then you're, you're going to start to have these hybrids where it's like people can join from anywhere in the world and they're creating these experiences. I don't know if you saw Tony Robbins did his like unleash the power within. He bought this, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a 360, like one to two story screen of like people mm-hmm. on zoom. And so it's like, it's this like mini stadium he created that can, that, that wow. can do these virtual events. So I mean, it's kind of a kind of a tangent, but I think there's going to be lots of really cool things that are going to help people be more effective at home and understand that that the work life balance of also of like being working at home and how you can also make sure you're still being productive. Right. So l- let me ask you this then, Brandon, as it relates to interruptions. Let's say there's somebody listening to this that says this is great, but my day usually changes halfway through it based on the demands of my clients. How do you think they can still feel a sense of control? and still stay productive in spite of working in a reactive type business. Yeah. You can correct me if this is not like the best way to take this, but I think part of that also too is like training your clients on how to deal with you, <laughs> you know, cause it's like if, if you allow your clients to interrupt you at all times and yeah, there are certain moments where it's going to be fires that you're going to have to put out and they're really, really important. But I think <laughs> lots of it is like being upfront about like your engagement with them and understanding what's appropriate and what isn't appropriate. And I find that if you don't set that in the very beginning, people are just going to end up walking all over you because you'd never set it up the boundaries to begin with. And so I think that's probably the most important thing when we talk about engineering your environment. You know, you, it's a discussion in the very beginning to make sure that everybody's on the same page as far as what is the most effective way to communicate with me and how I can help you the most. Right, right. So what do you think professionals can do to get in that flow state? Besides some of these other techniques and tactics that you suggested, is there anything else that we should keep in mind about getting in that state of flow? Yeah, there's a lot I can go into right here, but like I think the most important thing and we were talking about this before we started recording, but there's this I, one of the entrepreneurs I follow very closely his name is Dan Sullivan. He created this company called Strategic Coach. He's one of the top entrepreneurial coaches in the world and I may have said some things that already came from Dan, I don't know because I I follow his stuff so often, but he has this concept called unique ability. And the way that I kind of like to explain it is like there's like four quadrants as far as like what the abilities are that we have. We have the top left, which is our unique ability. And these are things that we are super passionate about that we want to get better at all the time. You know, time passes by super quickly. We love doing them. And the next, the top right quadrant is things that you're excellent at. So these are things that you're above average at, but they're not like the unique ability. Like you probably wouldn't be obsessed with getting better at them. And the issue that so many people have is they get stuck in the excellence trap 
right? Like you're doing these things that you're good at, that people know that you're good at, but they're not that unique ability quadrant, right? And then the bottom left is things that you are competent at. And then the bottom right is things that you are incompetent at. Like we all have these things that, that we're super, you know, terrible at. <laughs> and, and so I think unique ability plays a huge part in getting into flow because it's like, you can really only get into flow if you're focusing on unique ability skill sets and like unique ability tasks. Whereas like, if you're spending a lot of time on things that you're incompetent at, you're not going to get into flow because you, you, you're hating every second of it. Right. right. Um, and so the clearer you are on your unique ability, the more you can construct a team or work with people that fill in the gaps on what your unique ability does not contain. So the crazy mind blowing part for me is like, oh my God, the things that I am incompetent at, that is somebody else's unique ability. You know, and so you can really have exponential growth if you learn how to partner with people that are in their unique abilities. And so there's this concept that Dan, Dan and uh, my friend Benjamin Hardy just wrote another book called Who Not How. And I think that's so important too, is because like us as you know, busy entrepreneurs, we're constantly asking ourselves, how can we do this? How can we figure this out? How can we accomplish this goal? When really the solution may not be how, but rather who is in their unique ability that can help me do this or who could I delegate this to? And, and that's really what I think is the key to getting into flow is understanding your unique ability and the process of developing relationships with people that can help complement you and have true exponential growth. That's great. And I think that takes a lot of wisdom and self-awareness for people to really understand and assess what is their unique ability and just having the humility to say, these are things I'm incompetent at. These are things I need yeah. to hire staff to kind of sh- uh, shore the gap so to speak. hundred percent. So yeah, any I, other productivity I, tricks or techniques that you think people can take away from, from you today? And I've got some other questions I wanted to sure. talk about as well. I mean, I have some like rapid fire ones. I don't know how, like, I mean, I guess like if for a computer, like I'm on my computer all day, I don't know how relevant that is for, for your audience, but like a really quick win is you can increase your mouse tracking speed <laughs> if you want, like, you know, like instead of dragging your finger across your trackpad to, to get to where you want to go, there's a quick setting. You could turn that up. Some of my favorite tools, video speed controller. That's a Chrome extension. If I talk fast, it's because I listen to all my stuff on two to four times the speed. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so if, if you're watching a video that's like kind of going on and on, you can kind of skip through. That's a Chrome extension. Well, I, do, I do that with podcasts and other audio programs. Well, yeah. I listen to 1.5 times yep. with the person speaking just to kind of get to the point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But the video speed controller is super nice because it's like any video you're watching online, it allows you to toggle that really, really efficiently. So like that's like... And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you said that's a Chrome extension? Yeah, it's a Chrome extension. It's called video speed controller. So that's that's one. I mean, there's some other nerdy ones, like for those that are Mac users, I'm a huge Alfred user. So it's like, if you've ever copied something on your computer, it saves basically like, it's called a clipboard manager. So it's like, I could have copied something yesterday and I'm like, oh, I wish I had access to that. It saves all of the things that you've copied over the past you know, day or two. So you can access that really quickly. Or like if you wanted to, you know, you're always typing out your email address, your phone number, your bio, or like copying and pasting it, you can have those all saved in Alfred. So mm-hmm. that there's like a really quick keyboard shortcut. And, you know, I can type in the word, the letters EML, and it'll type out my email or PHN, and it'll type out my phone number. Oh, so like, there's great. lots of like really quick things. Those are things I can nerd out about all day, but I'm, I'm really obsessed with those. <laughs> what about any ideas, any suggestions for managing email or communications, any other sort of communications with other people, any other suggestions in that regard? Yeah. So for me, I might be a weirdo on this, but like I try to spend very little time on my phone. And so, so I turn off all notifications on my phone. 
so like including text messages and emails and like I check my email. I intentionally, this is something, another environment engineering thing that I think it's came from Tiny Habits or James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. But it's like the more, if you want to enforce a behavior, you have to make it easier to do. And if you want to, you know, re- like break a bad habit, you want to increase the amount of friction. Right. And so for for me, when it comes to communication, like that's one thing I try to do is I always try to batch as much as possible. So that's why I have no, no notifications because it's like I'm not getting distracted. I'll check my phone on my own time and then I'll respond to people when I need to. I mean, there's another Chrome extension for the Gmail users out there. It's called uh, Gmail inbox when ready. You know, it's like when you open your email and you need to send one email, but like you see your inbox and like you have all these new messages, that Chrome extension blocks it. So you can't see any of your inbox. And so, so you can just quickly compose a new message and send it and, you know, not get distracted in the, your, your vortex of your, your inbox and you can open it up when you're ready to actually tackle it. So hopefully those are some suggestions people can use as well. That's a great idea. So tell me about the magic connection methods. What does that mean, Brandon? What, what is that concept all about? Yeah, so this actually ties back into what we were talking about with the ultimate form for productivity, right? Is understanding your unique ability, understanding the concept of who, not how. And the magic connection method is a process that I've created for helping people to get those relationships, to get those connections, to help with filling in the gap in your unique ability or connecting with people that have the resources. And so, I mean, there's, this is the whole topic in and of itself. So I can give a kind of a high level overview of sure. what it is, but this is, this is basically what I've learned from, you know, the years of connection, learning how to connect. It was that email that I initially sent to my mentor, Jonathan. I managed Jonathan's email list with over a hundred thousand people. And so I, I've literally sent millions of emails. Like it's not that hard when you have an email list of over a hundred thousand people. <laughs> and right. so I, I figured out after a while of like what makes people respond and how to develop a relationship in a genuine way. So the very first part, there's a three-part formula, very simple. The first part is called the hook. The second part is called the irresistible offer. And the third part is called the no-oriented question. And I don't know about you, Scott, but like I can open up my LinkedIn right now and I have probably over 100 LinkedIn connection requests that have people that are just copying and pasting, you know, spammy or like bots. And like, it's just like kind of disgusting, right? Like, right. and so the very, the very biggest mistake that I see people make when they send any form of written communication is that they make it hundred percent about them, right? Like, hi, my name is Brandon Fong and I've done blah, 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 blah. I work for a blah, blah, blah company. And <laughs> at this point, it's like, you don't even know why you should care yet. Right? So the first part of the magic connection method process is, is you, you take the time to like, if you were establishing a genuine relationship, people just kind of forget sometimes when it's online, but like, I'm going to take the time to, you know, listen to your podcast, listen to content, you know, talk about your company, you know, things that I found incredibly cool about what you're working on or a a compliment, or maybe if there's a mutual connection that we have, or if I've gotten results from your podcast, like listening to all the incredible guests that are on here, you know, something I would look at if I were sending a message to you. So that's the first part is, is how do you make it about them? How do you add value to them? And it's highly customized and that takes time, right? Yeah, it, it does take time. And like, people don't like that. But like, if you want to establish a real relationship with someone, you can't copy and paste the same message. Right. <laughs> it's just, I, I hate to break it to you. So, so very customized, you're right. And then the next part is what I call an irresistible offer. And I, again, I didn't come up with this. You see this a lot in the, in the marketing world, but there's a big difference between an irresistible offer and a regular offer. And the way I like to explain an irresistible offer is like if, if somebody were in the Sahara Desert and they were, they were dying of thirst, you know, you don't have to write them a sales page or, or send them a sales pitch on, on the bottle of water you're holding. Like <laughs> you just need to you show it to them essentially, right? So like how can we get our offers to be that level 
of value to the person that we're reaching out to. And so this, again, takes a lot more thought of like, what is super valuable to this person? Do I have valuable connections to them? Do I have experience that could help them grow their business or their, their practice or whatever it is? And how can you package it in a way that makes it easy for them to say yes? And so that they have a lot to gain from responding to you. Right. So that's, that's the irresistible offer. And then the last part is called the no oriented question. And, and so I didn't say this in the beginning, which I should have. The whole goal of this first message is to simply to get them to respond to you. And I find that many people online, they try to do way too many things. They'll try to get you to book a call. They'll try to get you to check out a website or, or download this PDF. And like at this point, you're just trying to establish a relationship. So you just want them to lean in and say, yeah, I, want, I, I would love to you know, connect and find out more. So that's the whole goal of this first part. So at this point, we've shown that it's 100% about them. We've created something that's insanely valuable to them. And the last part is just to get them to respond. It's the no-oriented question. And I learned this from Chris Voss, who I'm assuming is, I mean, Scott, I know you and I are both like negotiation nerds. So right. maybe your audience has, has, has heard this stuff. But Chris Voss, for those of you who don't know, he wrote the book called Never Split the Difference. And he was right. an ex-FBI hostage negotiator. So this is the dude that's called when there's some crazy guy in the bottom of a bank with several million dollars and like a bunch of hostages and he's about to blow up the place. Like, what do you say to get that guy to stop doing that? <laughs> and so I, I had the opportunity to learn from Chris from the book and I actually got to meet him briefly. But like one of my favorite concepts that he teaches is something called the no-oriented question. So the way I explain it is like we always have a finite amount of yeses that we can give in a day, right? So every time we say yes to something, it means we're giving away our time. It means we're giving away our energy. It means we're giving away our, our money, our effort, something, right? right. And so we're, we're inherently protective of the amount of yeses that we can give away. But at the same time, saying no is very comfortable, right? Like we feel secure. And so most people, they're trying to be super pushy and say, you know, can we move forward with this or whatever it is? Whereas a no-oriented question gives them the power and allows them to lean into you instead of you forcing it on them. So instead of asking, you know, are you interested in this? A no-oriented question would be, would it be a bad idea if I sent you over some more information on this? Or would you be opposed to me following up with you in three months? Or hmm. would it be ridiculous if I did blah, 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 blah? And, you know, you can, you can do a yes-oriented, a yes question. I've tested it, but I found that no-oriented questions work better to get people to lean in. And let me ask you a little bit more about this, Brandon. That's really interesting to me. Would you be opposed to me reaching out? Or so what, what would be other examples of the no-oriented question that you've used? And that, yeah. That so like more. so as an example, if I'm talking to a podcaster and it's like, you know, I came up with three specific topics I know your audience would love, and I put together a Google Doc that that has this customized for your audience, would you be opposed to me sending it over for you to check out? Or would it be a bad idea if I sent that that Google Doc over for you to check out? They usually start with would it be a bad idea if, or would you be opposed to, I use that a lot for following up with people. Like, it seems like you're super busy right now. Would you be opposed to me following up with you in three months from now? Yeah. Or, because when you and I first connected, I think the way you reached out to me, somebody that I don't know, I mean, I'm not saying that you don't have value. It's just that if you don't know people, people tend to be guarded. They have walls up. They have people chasing after them all the time. And I like the way you uh, reached out to me. Would you be opposed to me circling back on this in a few months to see if you're less busy? And I really think that when you're reaching people in professional services, when those in professional services are reaching out to other prospects and other people that have everybody else chasing after them to sell them stuff, I think that's just a brilliant way to kind of bring the walls down and build a little bit more trust with them. Yeah, 100%. And, and the example that, I mean, people are just busy. Like they want 
you think that they don't respond, that they like hate you or something like that. You immediately, your mind jumps to that. But chances are that, I mean, they're just focused on other things. And so if you can gently remind them in, in a way that is, is you know, relevant to them, I think it's really powerful. And something that Chris gives in the book, it's that he says that this always gets responses. And I've, I've tested this a little bit, but it's like, have you given up on this project? You know, or like if you're responding on it and, and that's it, that's the whole email. Have you given up on this project? And like, you think about your gut reaction to that. If it was something that you actually did want to move forward with, then you would respond and say, no, I haven't given up. I've been, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> or another example of a no-oriented question is, Scott, it seems like, you know, maybe you weren't the right person to reach out to. Are you not the right person to talk about this for? Right. And that's another important thing too, because it's like, maybe you did send an email to the wrong person. And so their response to that is, yes, I am the right person. Thanks for following up with me. Or no, I'm actually not the right person, but let me introduce you to my colleague that, that can help you. Right. So lots you can do with there. <laughs> That's great. Brandon, you've got some great ideas. I definitely I would love to have you back on the show. As we're kind of winding down our interview, tell me about seven-figure millennials. And then uh, I'd love to hear about some of your action steps that you'd recommend people take. So tell me about seven-figure millennials. What's that? Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of came from my experience working with super high-level entrepreneurs. And uh, you, I'm sure everybody knows this story so everybody listening to this either knows somebody or has heard of somebody that is incredibly financially successful, but they're miserable. <laughs> um, and, and so I don't know about you, Scott, or the people listening to this right now, but like, I don't really consider that to be success. And it's like in our society, when you say, oh, they're super successful, what does that mean? It means that they have the toys, they have the big house, they have the big car, they have the money, the cool job, the cool career. But you know, like I said, there's so many people I think are super miserable on the inside. So the, the inspiration behind Seven Figure Millennials was the quote by Jim Rohn, become a millionaire, not for the million dollars, but for what it will make of you to achieve it. And so Seven Figure Millennials is a community that I've created of millennial entrepreneurs that are pursuing big financial goals while prioritizing their health happiness and relationships. And so I'm on a mission right now to change the global conversation around what success means for millennial entrepreneurs. And I, like I said, it's just a community of people that are all supporting each other and, you know, pursuing big financial goals, but with the understanding that there are things that are definitely more important to the definition of success than what our society typically talks about. You're absolutely right, Brandon. That's great. How would you summarize this in three action steps? What are three things people can do in terms of actions to kind of integrate some of the ideas that you brought to us today? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is one of my favorite books, and I talked about it before, is uh, Unique Ability 2.0. Uh, so if you search that, it's based on a concept by strategic coach Dan Sullivan. But like the clearer you are in Unique Ability, that's really the secret to any form of productivity. Because it's like if you're spending time on things that you're not or Unique Ability, you're kind of not being as effective as you can. And so Getting clear on your unique ability is a huge action step that I, I think people can take. The second thing is, is understanding then once you've identified your, the unique ability is the whole who, not how thing. Like if you're struggling with something, maybe the question isn't how the heck can I do this? It's who can help me do this or who is better at this or who, you know. So the first thing is unique ability. Second thing is who, not how. And the third is what we talked about, the magic connection method. It's like once you've identified unique ability, now you know how a process I've shared a super high level of how you can begin to form those relationships in a genuine way. And I think that's really the key to exponential growth is understanding those three components. That's great, Brandon. We're going to put your links to your contact information and everything else you have. We're going to put that on the show notes. So those people that are listening, they can go to the show notes. They'll be able to reach out to you directly. But what, what are some of the menu of offerings that you would like for people to know about that they could reach out to you and talk to you about in terms of uh, services that you offer? 
Yeah. So if you know somebody, if you're interested yourself in the seven figure millennials group, that's a completely free Facebook group. And so that's like a great way to get started. I do have the the book, the magic connection method. If you want to learn step-by-step and I'll actually, I have a a little bonus gift. We can talk about to your audience after, or actually I can just bring it up right now instead of going all over the place. I put together a a bonus for the Rainmaking podcast listeners. So if you go to bfo.ng slash TRP for the Rainmaking podcast, and just for an explanation, that's that my name is Brandon Fong. So it's it BFO, like BFong, BFO.ng slash TRP. And that will take you to an area where I put together some bonus for you. If you're looking at implementing the magic connection method, I thought what would be the most valuable thing I could give to your listeners? What's an irresistible offer, right? <laughs> and so what I did is I created a thing I created called automatic emails. And so what I did is like I wrote samples of like 20 or 30 different hooks. I don't remember how many I wrote. 20 or 30 different irresistible offers, 20, like a few examples of no oriented questions. And so people, if you know how to copy and paste and modify these uh, to fit your best, best interest, then I created that for you guys. And this is a product that I normally sold, but I, I want to just give this to you guys. So if you go to bfo.ng slash TRP, I'll make sure to get you guys some bonus training there. But besides that, I mean, I typically work with uh, high six figure and seven figure entrepreneurs, helping them optimize their marketing and specifically create more connection. And I think that's what we're, we're all starving for, especially during these times. It's like, we just want more connection. So that's, that's what I, I specialize in is helping entrepreneurs to integrate connection with either getting more clients, more strategic partnerships, or also optimizing their email list to make sure that people are leaning in and actually saying, yes, I'm interested and is sending them up into your sales process. So a whole bunch of different ways in there. <laughs> well, thanks so much for the generosity of your content and your wisdom. I hope that you get a lot of calls and reach outs from people that are listening to you. And we'll certainly bring you back on the show in the future, Brandon. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Scott. It's been a blast. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.